All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Easy Street Sports. Today, I'm going to take a look at some talk around how the Big Ten might be potentially changing divisions, as well as my projections for the playoff picture for this upcoming season in the NFL. And I'm going to get into a little bit of detail about why I think the AFC is much, much stronger as a conference compared to the NFC, and why we might see some surprising teams in the playoffs this year just based on the requirements for the wildcard spot. And I'll get into that a little bit more. And then finally, I'm going to take a look at ProFootballNetwork.com released their NFL quarterback list, their top NFL quarterbacks in the 2022 season, uh, you know, 1 through 32, and I want to discuss their top 10 and why, for a few reasons, it's better to rank quarterbacks in a tier list, like what we've been doing here at Easy Street Sports, and why I think the idea of what makes a quarterback great is so not understood, even at the NFL level. But let's go ahead and start off with college. And my opening remarks for today is as much as college might try to change divisions and change the way with NIL now being a major factor in players committing to certain colleges, um, at the end of the day, NFL is king because talent and ability and production is much more streamlined across all teams rather than seeing just a few teams reign supreme forever, like Ohio State, Alabama, those kinds of schools always being on top. Notre Dame, they don't, they don't play anybody, but they're always at the top. So, But let's look at the Big Ten. So back in 2011, they had two divisions, the Legends Division and the Leaders Division. And in the Legends division, you had Illinois, Indiana, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue, and Wisconsin. Then the Leaders division had Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern. Now, that was only from 2011 to 2013, but I think that was a good divide between I think the tough teams that are good in the Big Ten every year with those four teams I see really being Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State. And then you can throw in Wisconsin. You might be able to throw in Iowa here and there. But generally, those teams are the toughest teams in the Big Ten. But from 2014 to just this last season, you had the Big Ten West, which had Purdue, Northwestern, Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and Nebraska, and then the Big Ten East that had Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana, Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland, and Rutgers. Now, if you look at how those divisions are set up, all four of the super tough teams, the four teams that generally can contend for the Big Ten championship every year, they're all in the Big Ten East. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State. 
Now, of course, recently, Michigan won it last year. But Ohio State has won it virtually every year. And they go up against either Wisconsin, Iowa, and it's pretty much just a free game to make it to the playoffs. But with the idea that the Big Ten might be considering changing how their divisions look, I have offered up my own idea for what these divisions should look like. I have the North Division that has Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, and Northwestern. Then the Big Ten South would be Illinois, Purdue, Indiana, Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland, and Rutgers. Now, a few things here that you can consider. Yes, you take the, the top four tough teams that I believe are out there. Michigan and Michigan State stay in the north. Ohio State and Penn State move to the south. Wisconsin and Iowa are in the north. Then you have Purdue, pretty much, is the last strong team in the south. But I think what this does is it gives teams the opportunity, like, unfortunately, there's no other way around Ohio State with the fact that they are probably going to have the best chance of winning the Big Ten again this year. Just with how their organization, with how their program is run. I mean, every year, they're, every year when you talk about the college football playoffs, it, usually the question becomes, who's Alabama playing and who's Ohio State playing? So, unfortunately, there's really no great way around Ohio State. But when you take Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Iowa, you give those teams a chance to go up against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. Because instead, usually what ends up happening is you'll have teams like Michigan State. They'll go undefeated, then they'll beat Michigan, then they'll lose to Purdue, then they'll gain a little more traction, and then they'll lose to Ohio State, and then they're out. They're done for the season. With with two wins, they're done. Then with Michigan, they lose to Michigan State, build up more momentum, and then beat Ohio State to go to the Big Ten Championship, absolutely destroy Iowa, and then they kind of lay an egg against Georgia. So, whether you want to believe that Michigan is, as a program, built for the college football championships, the point I'm really getting at here is you've got a few problems at the college level just with how things are operated. Because when you, let's say Michigan goes undefeated and Ohio State goes undefeated, and because they're in my format of North of the Big Ten North and the Big Ten South, Michigan and Ohio State play, and Ohio State wins. So two teams that went undefeated, one of them only has one loss, and they lost to, let's say Michigan was ranked third and Ohio State was ranked second. How can you have any of them, or either one of them, or maybe one Ohio State's third and Michigan's fifth, or vice versa, is it really fair to exclude one of those out of the college football playoffs, as good as these programs could potentially be. Same thing with Michigan State. Uh, with Mel Tucker, they're definitely adding momentum to the program itself. Uh, I think they're going to be 
as as well as they're able to recruit now at Michigan State, it's difficult for me to say that any of these teams should be excluded if, of course, they do well. Um, now, you can, of course, say, all right, I think they should do away with divisions altogether. Okay, then Michigan's undefeated. Ohio State's undefeated. One of them's ranked fourth. One of them's ranked fifth, let's say. One of them loses, of course, because one team, when two undefeated teams play, one of them's going to lose. How can you exclude either of those teams, as good as they are, from the college football playoffs when the Big Ten has two powerhouse teams that should be in the playoffs? How can you exclude one of them? Same thing with, with Alabama and Georgia. Georgia was undefeated, ranked number one. And then Alabama, I believe, was fourth or third, one of the two. Georgia loses to Alabama, and Georgia's still in it. So then you get into kind of a unnecessary argument of which team should be in the college football playoffs when you should, you should expand the playoff picture to, in my opinion, at least eight. Because then you include teams from, like the Rose Bowl, that shootout that we saw between Utah and Ohio State, Yes, I know they played each other, and the, the points really don't matter because it was a bowl game, and it's all hindsight. But still, those two teams should have been in it. Michigan should have been in it. I know they didn't win or do well against Georgia, but they should have been in it. Cincinnati was undefeated. Alabama just beat Georgia in the SEC championship. So you should be including these teams that are winning their division, winning their conference, and then they might be losing in the conference championships if they're already ranked and they only have one loss or some variation of that. But at the end of the day, I think that when you have Ohio State come out of the Big Ten East and they have to play Iowa, for example, next year, and Iowa's ranked 23rd and Ohio State's ranked 2nd in the nation, that's not even a fair game. We know who's going to win that. So when you remove the opportunity for divisions to kind of get in the way of the right teams having a shot, then you open up the, the, the opportunity for so many teams that should have a shot to get into the college football playoffs. They get what they get the opportunity that they deserve based on how well they've how successful they've been over the course of the entire year. So this division issue is just a precursor to the bigger issue of you don't have enough spots in the playoffs in college. It's it's kind of disappointing that you only have four, and one of them was Cincinnati, and Notre Dame was even up there too. So and they don't even play anybody. But again, divisions are the smaller problem that, of course, affect the bigger problem of the college football playoffs. So they need to fix both of those issues, and the right teams need to go, and more teams need to go in general. All right, now let's move up a step to NFL, and I want to take a look at 
my projections for the playoff picture for both AFC and the NFC, and I know it's early, I know it's only May, it's almost June practically, but the point that I'm trying to get at here kind of alludes to what we could see this following season. So what I have for the AFC, and of, and of course, I see these kind of being in any order, really. It all just depends on who wins their division and then what their record is. And then the wild cards, to me, are kind of open, but I think there's definitely some precursors here or some guarantees that I think a lot of people would agree with. Anyway, I have Bills, Broncos... Bengals, Titans, as the four winners of their division. Bills winning the AFC East, Broncos winning the AFC West, Bengals winning the AFC North, and the Titans winning the AFC South. Now, you might think, oh, the Chiefs, oh, the Ravens, oh, the Patriots or the Dolphins might make a push this year. I have, in, as my wildcard spots... The Chiefs, the Ravens, and then the seventh seed, I can really see anyone from the Patriots to the Dolphins to the Chargers, maybe even the Raiders again, or maybe even the Colts, if Matt Ryan brings enough energy to Indianapolis. But, again, I think win total-wise, I think the first seed, or the one seed in the AFC, I really think is going to have anywhere between 11 to 13, 14 wins. Um... I believe, if I take a look at the division winners from last year, I believe that the Bills had that many wins. Let me take a look here real quick. The Bills had 11 wins, Bengals had 10 wins, Titans had 12 wins, and the Chiefs had 12 wins. So again, 11 to 13. Um, I know the Bengals only had 10, but if you think about how well the Bengals did... I think for the one seed, you're definitely looking at at least 11 wins, if not more, obviously. Then, I think the two, three, and four seeds, you're going to see anywhere between 10 to 12 wins. Again, you had Titans were, of course, the one seed. Then you had the Chiefs, Bengals, and the Bills. Chiefs also had 12, Bengals had 10, and the Bills had 11. So I think you're going to see, again, at least double-digit wins. Ideally, I think the number is 11 in order to definitely have a really good shot of winning your division. Especially in the AFC. Then, I think for the 5, 6, and 7 seeds, you could see anything from 9 to 11 wins. The Patriots were there, they had 10. The Raiders were there with 10. And I believe the Steelers were there with 9. So... Again, you're seeing at least double-digit wins. With the wildcard teams potentially having at least nine. And I think that's a low number. But what you're seeing is a lot of teams where double-digit wins is almost a must just to win your division. Not just to get into the wildcard. Um, with I, which I think also you're going to need at least double-digit wins to have a good shot at the wild card spots. Um, and again, I know the Broncos might be optimistic with Russell Wilson going there, 
and we might talk about, and I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit here when we talk about the quarterback rankings on Pro Football Network. But, again, the division winners from last year, I have the Bills, who won their division last year. I have the Bengals, who won their division last year. And I have the Titans, who won their division last year, in my top four. The only one I don't is the Chiefs, who won their division last year. But I think with Tyreek Hill not being there anymore, Tyron Matthew not being there anymore, having Sky Moore come in as a rookie, I I really am gonna I'm gonna believe that the Chiefs are gonna take a step back. Do I, again? I still think with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, you're definitely gonna see the Chiefs do well. I'd be surprised if they don't even get a wild card spot. But again, the formula of the last two Super Bowls is a Tier 1 quarterback goes to a team and that energy that he takes or brings with him propels that team to the Super Bowl and they win it. Uh, Brady did that with the Bucks. Stafford just did that with the Rams. The other quarterback that fits that formula, Russell Wilson. So just keep that in mind when, I, when I'm talking about this. So again, Bills... I think are going to be the one seed. I with as much as much momentum and as much optimism and excitement that have been surrounding the Bills with them adding Von Miller, Josh Allen getting better every year, with the Chiefs taking a step back and that really being the Bills kryptonite in the offseason or the offseason the postseason. I think it's this is the year for the Bills to finally make it past the Chiefs and make a, a good, healthy push towards the Super Bowl. So I've got them, I think, leading the AFC with the Broncos, Bengals, and Titans behind them. And then I've got the AFC West with two teams, with the Chiefs coming out as a wild card. I've got the AFC North coming out with the Ravens. Yes, Lamar Jackson was injured. He had kind of a average year if not subpar subpar season last year but I think with how they did in the draft and I think with Lamar Jackson kind of wanting to prove the fact that he's a good quarterback he's on par to be a tier one which again it's still too early it's hard to tell but I see them being another wild card and then the seventh seed I could see the Patriots they were in the playoffs last year. Dolphins missed out. The Chargers missed out last year. The Raiders could be here again. But I think the top four, five, or six, even if those teams are kind of mixed around a little bit with their rankings or with their seeds, I think you're going to see those teams are definitely going to be in there. I'd be surprised if there's... if I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins are there, if the Chargers, Raiders, or Colts are there. But I don't expect the Jaguars to be there. I don't expect the Steelers to be there. The Browns, maybe, but Deshaun Watson, for all we know, he could get suspended, and they'd have to play either Baker Mayfield if he's still there, or they'll have to play the backup, so that doesn't help the Browns. So, again, I really don't see any other teams that can potentially get to this point. Now let's... Flip to the NFC. And I see the NFC being a little more open in terms of 
who could be where? What seed could this specific team be? But I have the Rams coming out of the NFC West. I have the Bucks coming out of the NFC South. The Packers coming out of the NFC North. And then I have the Eagles coming out of the NFC East. Now, if we take a look, Cowboys, they did win last year. They did win their division last year. But Amari Cooper's gone. I think that there's going to be kind of a wake-up call in Dallas where they realize that they paid a Tier 2 quarterback $40 million a year. Um, I think people are not going to be enjoying that. And I think the Cowboys are going to take a step back. And I think the Eagles are going to build on their draft and on their confidence in Jalen Hurts. So I think the Eagles are going to win that division. But then last year, the Packers won the NFC North. The Bucks won the NFC North. Or sorry, the NFC South. And then the Rams won the NFC West. Now in terms of record, um, I had the number one seed in the AFC, the Bills. I have them winning 11 to 13 games. The NFC, I could see, I have the Rams, as of right now, Super Bowl champs, assuming they're going to replicate at least most of their success from last year. I have, in any case, the one seed winning 11 to 14 wins. As well as the second and third seed, with the four seed winning anywhere from 10 to 13. And just to give some context... Cowboys, they were 12 and 5 last year. Packers, 13 and 4. Bucks, 13 and 4. And the Rams, 12 and 5. So, the best record in any AFC division, Chiefs and the Titans both had 12 wins. That's the lowest number of wins for the division winner in the NFC, with the Cowboys and the Rams both having 12 wins. Still, you can chalk that up to, okay, the NFC East, you have the Panthers, you have the Bears, you have the Seahawks, who weren't very good last year, you have the Giants, who aren't very good. So you have some weaker teams in the NFC, that's, sure, that's fine. But then you also have the Eagles, who made it 9-8 and eight in the wildcard spot. You had the Cardinals, with who had 11-6, and six, their record. And then the 49ers, who had a record of 10-7. and seven. So, the wild card spots, I could see anything from 9 to 11 wins, maybe even 8 wins, if you have some kind of lopsided uh, division where a team like the Eagles could get in, because the other uh, divisions don't have anything beyond that. Um, let's go through the NFC East top two teams. You had 12 and five, nine and eight. Then, then next two, you had seven and 10, four and 13. So 12, nine, seven, and four wins. The NFC North, you had 13 wins, eight wins, six wins, and three wins with the Packers, Vikings, Bears, and Lions. Then in the South, you had the Bucks with 13, Saints with nine, Falcons with 7, Panthers with 5. 
Then, in the NFC West, you had the Rams with 12, Cardinals with 11, 49ers with 7, and then Seattle with, with 7. Or, sorry, 49ers with 10, Seattle with 7. So, in the West, you have 12 wins, 11 wins, 10 wins. And all three of those teams made it to the playoffs. Rams, Cardinals, 49ers. Bucks, you had 13 wins. Saints dropped down all the way to 9. Packers, you had 13 wins. And then you drop all the way down to 8 with the Vikings. Kirk Cousins. Tier 2 quarterback, 8-9 wins. Proof is in the pudding. Then you have the Cowboys, who had 12 wins. Then you drop down to 9 wins with the Eagles. Now, what I'm trying to get at here is, yeah, you've got, you've kind of got that in the AFC, the Bengals, the AFC North. You had 10 wins with them. Steelers had 9 wins. Browns had 8 wins. Ravens had 8 wins. So you're only a game or two behind if you're in, if you're in, third or fourth place, you could only be two games behind in the AFC. But in the NFC, you could have eight wins, and then the next team could have five wins, four wins, three wins. Even if they have six wins, the other divisions only might have seven win third place. Fourth place might have four wins, five wins. Seattle had ten or seven wins with the biggest fourth place amount. But again, the NFC seems very top heavy. You have your division leaders who are winning double digit wins. You know, 11, 12, 13 wins. And then there's a drop off all the way down to nine, eight wins, roughly. So that's why I see the NFC being a little more open in terms of the wild cards, just and it all just depends on how the season goes. But I think your top four seeds, again, I see these teams winning their division if the Rams are fourth, the fourth seed for whatever reason. Um, I still wouldn't be surprised because I still see them winning their division. Um, I think the Cardinals are a mess. Kyler Murray, who knows what he's going to do. Then you have the, uh, the, sorry, yeah, the Cardinals. Then you have the 49ers with Garoppolo and Trey Lance. I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to start Garoppolo because Trey Lance still isn't good enough to beat him? Well, then you've maxed out at a top tier two quarterback at best. I mean, you you see it in the NFC Championship. He can get you there, but then that's about it. So, again, 49ers, their limit is a tier two. A good tier two, but still not upper echelon. And then the Seahawks have Drew Locke. I mean, really? Drew Locke? Uh, you can you can put a pin in this right now. Seahawks are going to be last in their division. I, I can guarantee that to you right now. So really, the Rams I see winning their division pretty handedly. Especially if the Cardinals are going to fold like they did and the 49ers just don't have the guy where the Rams found him in Detroit. Then I've got the Bucks. Packers, Eagles, again, that's my top four. Again, any order you see fit is fine with me. I think those four teams are your top four seeds. Then five seed, I see them winning anywhere between nine to 11 wins. Again, Eagles got in with nine wins. 49ers got in with 10 wins, and the Cardinals got in with 11. So, Anywhere between 9 and 11 wins, I think, 
is probably where this five seed's going to end up. And I see that being either the Vikings or the Cowboys or the Saints. Now, again, it's hard for me to advocate any of these teams because if you look at the AFC, we return to them. The Bills, Tier 1 quarterback. Broncos, Tier 1 quarterback. Bengals, very early in his career, so too early to to designate him as a Tier 1 or a Tier 2, but the success he showed last year is Tier 1 quality, so if he is able to continue that success, he's a Tier 1. So I'm saying, as of right now, um, kind of a superficial Tier 1 just based on his success last year, Bengals, Joe Burrow, superficial Tier 1. Titans, this is the team where you've got a Tier 2 quarterback, but... You have a phenomenal coach in Mike Rabel. You have a phenomenal running back with Derrick Henry. And you have a phenomenal defense. I mean, you the Titans ended up beating the Bills and the Chiefs and some of these really good teams last year. So i got to put some faith in the Titans, who had the one seed last year. And, of course, they kind of threw it away, but still. So, of, again, the AFC South in and of itself, you have... Tier 2 quarterbacks battling it out um, with the Colts with Matt Ryan and uh, the Titans with Ryan Tannehill. So at best, you have a Tier 2 quarterback coming out of that division. Then you have the Chiefs, who I have in the AFC, another Tier 1 quarterback. Then you have the Ravens, who, again, it's probably too early, probably too difficult to tell. Let's say he's a Tier 2. Sure, just for right now. Let's see how he does this year, coming off injury, coming off kind of a subpar season. Let's see if he improves. If he improves back to his MVP level season, then we know where he should be. But as of right now, coming off an injury, let's say he's a tier two. Then you have the Patriots, who Mac Jones, way too early to tell. You have the Dolphins with Tua. I think he's a clear tier two. Does well, wins some games, but I think he turns the ball over a lot. Kind of inconsistent, just... Too many questions to say, yep, that's a Tier 1. So I'm going to say Tier 2. Chargers, I think there's a lot of hype around Justin Herbert. And for good reason. I I like him a lot too out in L.A. But again, too early to say that he's a Tier 1 unless you have Super Bowl-level success like Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I mean, you, you don't get there on accident unless you're like the Eagles, that 2017 miracle run. So the Chargers, let's say it's a superficial Tier 1 or a Tier 2, kind of either way. Derek Carr with the Raiders, that's a Tier 2, kind of at the same level of Garoppolo. A good Tier 2, but again, still not a Tier 1. And then you have the Colts, who have Matt Ryan, who's a clear Tier 2. So if you go through, five of the seven, including the superficial Joe Burrow, Tier 1, Again, I only say that because it's so early in his career, it would be a disservice to put him either way. So I'm just kind of grouping him in because of his success. Either way, five of the seven teams in the AFC have a Tier 1 level quarterback. Then you go to the NFC. Rams. Stafford won the Super Bowl. Tier 1. Bucks. 
Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time, tier one. Packers, Aaron Rodgers, clear winner, has a Super Bowl, tier one. Then, after those three, you have Eagles, so the J- Jalen Hurts. Again, kind of too early to tell. Nine wins, tier two. You have Vikings, Kirk Cousins, to me, the textbook tier two quarterback. Nothing against him, but he can win you games. He can win you eight, nine, ten games. That's about it. You know, you might make the playoffs a little bit, but he had, again, let me, let me put this in the perspective. Kirk Cousins, statistically, or in terms of stats, had his best season ever last year. What was their record? Eight and nine. So even his best year on record, he can win you eight games. Just putting that out there. So again, Eagles, Jalen Hurts, Tier 2, Vikings, Kirk Cousins, Tier 2, Cowboys, Dak Prescott. This is a guy who I have to give credit to for finding a way to get Dallas to pay him blockbuster Patrick Mahomes level money. I mean, what a steal. You got to give him credit for finding a way to get that team to pay him that much. Unfortunately, he is not a tier one quarterback. Quarterback draw, 13 seconds left. No timeouts. Oh, the Cowboys go home? Eh. Again, they don't have Amari Cooper anymore. Ezekiel Elliott is kind of getting old, kind of getting a little chubby. Dak Prescott is a Tier 2 quarterback. Cowboys are, at best, going to be a wild card spot. Then, you have the Saints. Jameis Winston, Tier 2. He was a Tier 2 in Tampa Bay. He's going to be a Tier 2 in New Orleans. Then you have the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo. Clear Tier 2. Very, very good Tier 2. But again, not upper echelon, not at Josh Allen's level, not at Patrick Mahomes, not at Brady's level, not at Stafford, Aaron Rodgers' level. Not quite there. So again, another Tier 2. Then you have the Cardinals, Kyler Murray. He looks great in the first half of the season, but then he folds. And when you come up to 8-9 wins, he had 10 wins last year, but still, that's... A a Tier 1 quarterback does not fold like that at the end. And if you can chalk that up to coaching issues, whatever you want to say about Arizona, as of right now, he's a Tier 2 because he's not closing out the season well and first-round exit of the playoffs is just messy out in Arizona. So he's a Tier 2. Then the last few teams I have on here in the NFC, and I only have these teams on here just because it's so wide open, is I have the Commanders, who have Carson Wentz, who other than that Eagles season where he helped propel them to the playoffs and to the Super Bowl. Again, he got injured. Nick Foles finished the season, but he played well. But since then, nothing in Philadelphia. Then he goes to Indianapolis, kind of lays an egg at the end of the season to snuff out their playoff hopes. And I think that 
disappointment kind of sent him down to Washington. So clear tier two with Carson Wentz. And then you have the Lions with Jared Goff. Now I know that it's the Lions. They won three games last year. I know. And I know that earlier in, a few weeks ago I talked about what their potential record could be. And I put them at nine wins. And again, you want to chalk that up to optimism? Sure. I'm kind of with you on that. Nine wins does sound like a lot. And if you want to say that's mostly optimism, if not a lot of optimism, sure, that's fine. Okay, you don't think they're going to sweep the Bears? Sure. You think they're not going to beat the Jaguars? Okay. You think they're not going to beat the Giants and the Jets? Okay. That puts them at six, seven wins. Six, seven, eight wins. If if I'm changing any of those games. Again, I think they should be around. They let, let's let's get this straight. They should win at least six. You're telling me you can't beat the Bears once, the Panthers. You should be able to beat the Jaguars. You might be able to split with the Packers. You split with them last year, even though it was kind of a they played the bench. It doesn't matter. A win is a win, unfortunately, in that case. But still. You should, with the additions from the draft, with injuries no longer being a concern, with the development of their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, and Dan Campbell, and again, their combination of offensive game plans for the last six games of the season, should be, again, I I don't think you know, the momentum is going to carry over to the following season, but I think their success in the last six games should give them optimism and a good platform to at least launch off of offensive package game plan-wise into this following year, where your um, your um, your schedule is very, very easy, very, very welcoming. Um, Again, you should be able to beat the Seahawks. They have Drew Locke. Jared Goff's better than Drew Locke. You should win that game. And whether you want to say they should win that game or not, okay, then any of these games are wide open. I mean, last year the Jaguars beat the Bills. The Jaguars picked number one overall for a reason. Urban Meyer scandal, all that garbage... They beat the Bills. So the Seahawks are bad. Cowboys are taking a step back. They play the Jaguars. They play the Panthers. They play the Bears twice. You can't tell me that there's not at least six games on here that they can win. Or there's not six games where you'd be surprised if they won. Either way. They should win at least six. And they can beat anybody. The Jaguars beat the Bills last year. The Lions beat the Packers. Again, going into the off or the postseason, Packers rested their starters. Packers ended up losing in that divisional round. It doesn't matter. Anybody can really beat anybody in the NFL. It just depends. Okay? So I think six games is their minimum. And it should be their minimum. If they win anything less than that, then I have serious questions about Dan Campbell and their entire process in what they're doing. But they they should be winning games. That they we should see more success than three wins. 
Now, again, I had them at nine. I think the more I mull over these games, I could see anything from six wins to eight wins. Maybe, again, seven wins. I think it's a real sweet spot for who they play and just where these teams are heading. But again, anywhere between six to eight, I think, is going to be where they're going to end up. Now, why is that so important? Let's go back to the NFC. Cowboys, they went 12-5, and won their division. I think they're going to take a step back. Amari Cooper's not there anymore, again. Eagles only won nine games last year. I think they're going to win their division. And the NFC East was also that division. I don't remember what year, but I believe Washington went into the playoffs with a record of 7-9 and nine back when it was only 16 games. I remember that there was a team that came out of the NFC East that won the division but had a losing record. So that's the NFC East, just to put them into perspective. Then you have the NFC North. I expect the Packers to win the division. I expect the Vikings to improve slightly. Again, you're dealing with Kirk Cousins. It's hard for me to improve a team or improve their value when your quarterback is eh. So, again, Packers won 13 games. I could see them winning 11 games this year. I could see the Vikings winning 9 wins this year, or winning 9 games, maybe 10, maybe. Um, That just seems like a lot. I see the Bears. They won 6 games last year. I don't think they addressed any of their concerns in the draft or in the offseason. They traded away Khalil Mack. So I think the Bears are going to take a step back. If they win three games next year, I'd probably be surprised. So I think the Lions are in prime position to, if they win seven, eight win, or six to eight wins, they probably will be third in their division if the Vikings do not reach those eight wins again that they did last year. Then... The Lions could end up second, but again, I think the Bears are obviously on the bottom. I think the Packers are on the top, and then you got the Lions and the Vikings kind of duking it out in the middle. Then you have the NFC South, where the Bucks, Tom Brady unretires. He has that division in the bag, unless he's injured or he just, for whatever reason, age finally catches up to him, and he has a down year. Otherwise, I see the Packers, or sorry, I see the Buccaneers winning that division. Panthers, Sam Darnold, I talked about it earlier a few weeks ago. Another Tier 3? No. Nope, they're not winning the division. Falcons have Marcus Mariota. He got benched behind Ryan Tannehill. He got he got benched in Tennessee, so I don't see them winning the division. The Saints, they might have some momentum. Uh, maybe. Again, they went 9-8 and eight this year, so that wasn't bad. But I still think they might be second in their division. Might win 8, eight 9, 10 games. Then you have the Rams in the NFC South. Or, sorry, the NFC West. I think the Rams are going to win that division again. 10-11, 12, 13, 14 wins. Cardinals, I think, are going to take a step back. 
49ers, I think, are going to take a step back, or they might be right around where they were with 10 wins. And then, if Trey Lance plays, I think they'll take a step back. And then you have the Seahawks, with Drew Locke not being uh, helpful. I think the Seahawks are going to take even a step back with an injured Russell Wilson at, at this point. They're going to take a step back from that. So, again, Eagles, maybe the Cowboys, Packers, maybe the Vikings, Bucks, maybe the Saints, and then I think the Rams are really going to be the only one coming out of the West, unless the Cardinals do well like they did. It's Again, it, this is all hypothetical. This is all projections. But I wouldn't be surprised if the sixth seed and the seventh seed in the NFC have eight to ten wins. In the AFC, I definitely think it's going to be difficult to even be the seventh seed with less than double-digit wins. But the NFC, you know, if you have eight, nine wins, you might be able to sneak in. So it might just depend on who you beat. But, again, the NFC is really top-heavy and really wide open, other than the top three teams, the Rams, the Bucks, and the Packers. Otherwise, the other four spots could be anybody and deservedly so if you look the rams tier one bucks tier one packers tier one quarterbacks those three eagles tier two vikings two cowboys two saints two 49ers two cardinals two commanders two lions two so it's just a free-for-all after those first three games or those first three teams speaking of quarterbacks Pro Football Network ranked the top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. And again, these are pretty much all starting quarterbacks. And I know that here on Easy Street Sports, we don't like to rank them. We prefer to tier them because, again, on any given week, Aaron Rodgers might have better stats than Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, or Tom Brady, or any combination of that. But regardless, we know Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, now Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson. Those quarterbacks are all the elite upper echelon players at that position. It's it's obvious, right? We know this. But I still want to take a look because I think they're giving some quarterbacks some definite disservice here. But I want you to take a minute to think about the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And again, this list will make you think maybe tiering quarterbacks is a pretty good idea. But again, top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL... Where does Matthew Stafford line up in the top 10? Top 5? Top 6? Russell Wilson is ranked 11th. So a Tier 1 quarterback, not even in the top 10. In 10th place? Deshaun Watson. He hasn't played since 
2020. Um, he most likely, if not potentially, will be suspended. Could be suspended this year. We might not even see him play for a chunk of the season. But he's 10th. Haven't seen him play in two, three seasons now. He's 10th. Number nine, Matthew Stafford. Number nine, just won the Super Bowl. Just, just snuffed the flame of all the doubt and all the hate of him coming out of Detroit to L.A. People assuming he's going to fold like he did in Detroit. Makes it all the way to the Super Bowl and wins it. He's ninth. Lamar Jackson's eight. And I like Lamar Jackson. But his season last year, he was injured for a chunk of it. He had three games where they went for it to tie, or they, they went for the win with a two point conversion play at the end of these games. Lost all three of them. Subpar season compared to his MVP. He's eighth. Number seven. Dak Prescott is number seven. Again, this guy pulled the wool over Dallas's eyes for forty grand or forty million, for forty million. Dak Prescott is not. He shouldn't be in the top fifteen. Maybe he should be fifteenth, if you even want to put him in this ranking. He should not be a tier one, and he should not be in the top ten. He does not belong here. Number six, Joe Burrow. Um, I don't hate it. I mean, he did make it to the Super Bowl. Um, again, I, I expect him to replicate a lot of the success that he had. I don't know if we're going to see all of it, but I think he's good. I think he's he could easily be a tier one quarterback. His, his moxie, his confidence has kind of already proved that. So I don't hate it. Number five, Justin Herbert. Okay. Eh. Again, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, kind of early in their career. So, again, yeah, I could see the argument they could be in the top ten, but five and six, eh. Maybe not. Not quite. Tom Brady's four. Okay. Sure. Aaron Rodgers is three. Um, first round bye week in the playoffs and then divisional round exit. So, okay. Josh Allen, number two. I can live with that. And then Patrick Mahomes, number one. I cannot believe that Dak Prescott is is even in the top 10. If it were up to me, I would say Justin Herbert would be 10th. Russell Wilson would be 9th. I think...
Uh, let me start over. Russell Wilson would be... Nope. Justin Herbert would be 10. Russell Wilson would be 9. Joe Burrow would be 8. Man. Some of these teams... Some of these quarterbacks just don't belong up here. If you want to make an argument for Derek Carr... Garoppolo, I'd probably put Garoppolo 7, or sorry, Derek Carr 7, Garoppolo 6th, Rodgers 5, Brady 4, Mahomes 3, Josh Allen 2, and Stafford 1. If I had to rank them, I would put them that way. But still, I, when you rank them like that, you really think that Dak Prescott, is better than Russell Wilson, who we looked at his record a few weeks ago. He had one losing season, one season under 500, and they ship him out of Seattle. Unbelievable that he drops down to 11 after an injury season, wasn't there for part of it, was out of sync with his team, and he's 11th. Deshaun Watson, who hasn't played in two, three years, is above him, and he hasn't even played? And you can go further down the list. I don't even want to. But Derek Carr's 13th. Garoppolo's 20th. Jameis Winston is 19th. I, I, yeah. I, Kirk Cousins is 15th. Yeah. So it's so messy to put these quarterbacks into a ranking. But if I said, oh, the tier one quarterbacks on every given week. On any given week, these guys, these elite upper echelon quarterbacks, will win you games and win you playoff games and win you divisions and and get you deep into the playoffs, championship appearances, Super Bowl appearances, etc., etc. If I said these tier one quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and this isn't in any order, this is just listing off the guys. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. You want to say Justin Herbert? Okay, too early, but okay. Joe Burrow, same thing, way too early, but okay. Dak Prescott, absolutely not. Lamar Jackson, eh, kind of a bad year, probably not. Matthew Stafford, absolutely. Deshaun Watson, as of right now, he's a Tier 3. He hasn't played in two, three years. How can I even put him up there? If he comes out and he isn't suspended, and the Browns win their division, and they win a playoff game, so on and so on, sure, I'll put him in there. He was in the league for a few years with the Texans. I know they did well. They made it to the playoffs. But he's out. He's been out for two, three years. So I, I can't even say. He shouldn't be even part of be He shouldn't even be part of the conversation right now because he's been out for so long. So I'm not even going to put him anywhere. Let him play first. Russell Wilson, tier one. Kyler Murray, no. Tier 2. Derek Carr, no. Matt Ryan, no. Kirk Cousins, no. Ryan Tannehill, no. Mac Jones, no. And that's it. So, 